0: On July 29, 1981, on America's west coast, television went on the air at 4.30 a.m., and soon an estimated 38.8 million U.S. households were switching on their sets to watch a wedding in the heart of London which, during the following five hours, would be simultaneously viewed by something like an eighth of the population of the world. In London the day had been declared a public holiday. At Knightsbridge Barracks, Reveille sounded for the household cavalry at 4.45, and on the pavement of the Mall near Buckingham Palace, Mrs. Avril Harrison and her daughter, Rosemary, were finishing the third night of their vigil in the open air to guarantee their view of the procession. For richer visitors to London, room service at the Dorchester Hotel was serving free champagne with breakfast for those who could face it, and the underwriters at Lloyd's of London would soon congratulate themselves at not needing to pay out twelve million pounds to those makers of commemorative pottery who had insured themselves in case the whole event was cancelled. In order to be present, Mrs. Nancy Reagan, together with five hat-boxes and twelve personal security men, had left the President of the United States for the longest period since their marriage twenty-nine years before. As his representative at the actual waiting in St. Paul's Cathedral, she would be among the sovereigns of Norway, Sweden, and the Netherlands, the Presidents of Germany and France, and Princess Grace of Monaco. There would also be the twenty-eight stone king of Tonga, who had thought it wise to bring his own specially reinforced chair. But the king of Spain had not turned up because his government was currently disputing Britain's ownership of Gibraltar. To show there was nothing personal in his absence, he had, however, sent a present. Over a thousand other presents had also reached the palace from around the world, including a microwave oven from Toshiba, a painting by Raoul Duffy from the President of France, and a large dog-basket from the Marquis of Zetland. During the night the London sewers had been searched by men from Scotland Yard for IRA terrorists, and, to be on the safe side, armed policemen dressed as footmen would be riding on the royal carriages. Extra surgeons and supplies of plasma were in readiness throughout the day at nearby hospitals. The Pope, recovering from an assassination bid himself, had sent a special blessing from his bed in Rome. His representative, Cardinal Basil Hume, would be the first Roman Catholic prelate present at a royal wedding since the Reformation, the prospect of which had brought a rousing outburst from the Northern Ireland Protestant, the Reverend Ian Paisley. May God bless the Prince of Wales and his bride-to-be, but may God deliver the House of Windsor from the conspiracy of Rome to subvert the Protestant monarchy. Soviet television was virtually unique in not showing any of the day's proceedings, having condescended to inform its viewers the night before that London hopes the wedding bells will drown out the sound of the shooting in Ireland. But apart from Moscow and the Reverend Ian Paisley, and a divorcee from Shropshire who saw fit to hang himself because the bride reminded him so strongly of his former wife, the marriage of Charles Philip Arthur George Mountbatten, Windsor, Prince of Wales, to Lady Diana Frances Spencer, was regarded by a troubled world as the most engrossing celebration ever shared on such a scale in history. One effect of this village wedding in the presence of millions through TV, as the Dean of St. Paul's somewhat curiously described it, was to endow the twenty-year-old bride with a mythical status all her own. Her televised marriage was like the greatest movie premiere in history, and her closest rivals were the screen stars whom she outshone for glamour and mystique. So that today, as the still, shy, and stringently protected mother of two small children, she has become the owner of the world's most instantly recognizable female face, with worldwide surveys showing her to be more famous, more admired, and envied than any other woman in the world. But Diana is not the only member of the British royal family to be established in the role of worldwide megastar by now. In February 1983, her parents-in-law, the Queen of England and Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh, arrived at Los Angeles to be greeted by the Reagans at the start of an official visit to the USA. Her Majesty had casually and tactfully expressed a wish for her host to show her something of the scenes of his youthful triumphs, with the result that the high spot of the brief royal stay in California was the presidential evening spent in Hollywood itself.